Angie. <laughs> Do we still have to smile? to Justice. I'm your host, Heather Malarik of Merrick Law. My co-host is Evan Clark of Kahane Law. And we're joined today by our very special guest, Kim McDonald of McDonald Advisory. Kim is a financial advisor and insurance advisor with Raymond James Limited. Hi, Evan and Kim. How are you both doing today? Good. Amazing. <laughs> oh, amazing. I love it. That's Kim's standard response. In fact, because of Kim, I have started saying amazing all the time. I say amazing <laughs> all the time now. Does it mean that you are amazing all the time? Like, do no, you feel not, more amazing? Not, I don't really use it for like, how are you doing? It's just like everything else. It's like as an exclamation. Someone will tell you something and then I'll be like, amazing. <laughs> this croissant and is amazing. It's all from Kim. It's more like, I just did, I just washed my car. I'm like, you know, and the response would be like, amazing. I mean, that's not a bad example, but it's especially useful if it's sarcastic. Um, so like I was just walking down the street and I tripped and I fell into my neighbor's fence and I destroyed the fence and it also skewered my abdomen. And then you'd be like, amazing. Amazing. That sounds horrible. You say it enough, you believe it. You just keep saying it and you'll get there. <laughs> yeah. So thank you, Kim. Oh, you're welcome. Changed the way I speak. <laughs> it's been a long time since we've sat down to do one of these. Uh, people may not realize that, but uh -huh. it's been a while. We're now in like the middle of summertime, which is amazing. It is, in fact, amazing. That's true. Yeah. And my hair's a lot shorter. I got a haircut. Kim's got a haircut by not cutting it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In other words, she's got like a new do, but it just grew out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, Heather, anything you want to give updates about your health? Well, hair-wise, I did. Uh, I also actually got quite a bit of hair cut off. So, yeah. New hair for all of us, I guess. That's great. It's exciting hair for us. It's exciting especially for our audio only, those who, who take our podcast audio only. It's very exciting. You'll just have to take our word for it. They're <laughs> going to be enticed by this conversation to go over to the YouTube channel and just see, oh, let's see their new hair. That's right. That's right. I have a new discovery I'd like to talk about. Oh, okay. Okay. We'll have to give credit to um, Allison McCullough at MLT Akins. So she told me about Quirtle. Have you guys heard about this? Quirtle? Quirtle. It's like Wordle, but there's four quadrants and you've got to work your way through all these four quadrants. And once you pass the first one, then you'll get your, your, you know, your option to fill out the second quadrant, the third and the fourth. So it's like a step up from Wordle. So for those listeners out there who enjoy a quick Wordle, but find that it's kind of easy, uh, I encourage you to check out Quirtle. It's, uh, it's a nice little time waster. <laughs> Nice. I like the name too. It's kind of self-descriptive, like quad wordle for wordle. I like it. Good. <laughs> yeah. I, I had the, uh, Google gave me a free subscription to New York times games. So I had that on my phone for a while. And, um, I started reading the book for our work week, which I have mixed feelings about that book, but, but one of the things that I took away from that book that is really helpful is removing distractions from my life. Mm. So yeah, that game came off and I also cut down on my phone usage as much as I can. So I try not to even look at it basically until like, you know, specific times of the day. Mm. Like before I go to bed, I like, okay, I can look at my phone for whatever. And like, then watch TV for like a short period of time. And I try to limit those activities to like, just like an hour before bed, even though they say like, you shouldn't look at a screen right before bed. Right. I don't have a problem falling asleep, so I'm not too worried about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
I did the same thing. I well, we took a screen break as a family in March. I don't know if we've talked about this at all or not. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was amazing. It kind of gave me like 90s vibes. I was like, oh, I remember this. (laughs) And there was like one channel on the TV. So like watching TV wasn't that fun. And you just have to like make your own fun and go outdoors. And it was lovely. But um then we all fell right back into it pretty easily when the month was over but I still have my phone shut down for a lot of notifications and stuff and it makes me happier but I think it annoys other people which I have to you know toughen my skin to a little bit because bad for them Heather too bad for them because there are folks who expect an answer pretty promptly about stuff so we have certainly sent things in our whatsapp chat and gotten the big ghost from Heather Mallard but you know what we're fine (laughs) what's that the only reason so i really shut down notifications on my phone too i did that a long time ago uh i leave whatsapp because of us and this we're the like hardly i hardly use it with anybody so because mm. it's basically just for our little chat mm. and i if there's like an update on the day we're filming i'll want to know so I, that's the only reason that whatsapp gets through my notification bars I hoisted this upon my family as well. We made some really harsh electronics rules as summer was coming. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I, I said, no electronics before dinner. So like from full stop. Yeah. Before, yeah. When you wake up until dinner, no electronics period. Okay. And, um, after dinner only by explicit approval from a parent, Mm-hmm. And if they break this rule, I'm selling the TV. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how's it going so far? The TV's Good. gone. <laughs> yeah. So no TV. <laughs> yeah, no. So <laughs> TV's still there. Like, keep in mind, like most of our kids don't. Most of our kids don't have a phone. Three out of the five don't have a phone. One of them's 18. She does what she wants, and she uses her phone way too much. And I'm like, you shouldn't be doing that. And she's 18. So she is like, yeah, I know, but I'm doing it. And, uh, the 16 year old, I've got pretty heavy limits on his phone for like time, things he can use and for how long. And the 14 year old doesn't have a phone and never, ever will not doing that. Not, not playing that game anymore. Uh, I learned my lesson from the first two. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it can get a little bit out of hand. I did see an interesting little post. I guess we should get to our topic soon. <laughs> I can talk about this forever. I saw a little post the other day that talked about like, you know, is the screen time serving a purpose in your family or in your life? Right. So, you know, they said it's screen time when you're, you know, making the evening meal so that your kiddos can decompress a little bit and you can have a few minutes to tidy the kitchen and get supper in the oven. Is that kind of worth it and useful screen time? And I thought, well, it's an interesting way of looking at it actually. Cause for me, I, I just like, I tend to be very binary about things sometimes and be like, all screens are bad. They are now evil. No more. They're not happening, but it's not really realistic either. A lot of the time. So no, I no. I'm sorry. I, I think it yeah. is realistic. I think they are inherently evil pretty much <laughs> for kids. Like, you know, like our parents used to say, used to say the same thing in the nineties, Heather, right? Like yeah, but look- watching too much TV, playing too much video games. <laughs> and uh, you know, I didn't even have any video game system. So I don't even know what they were talking about. But, um, yeah, like I, uh, you know, I also saw this study that would you know, study. I did not read the study. I saw a headline. So I don't, I did not vet this science, but it was a study saying that like, there was a correlation between how young kids start using a phone, have access to the internet on the phone and stuff and, um, mental health issues as an adult. And I'm like, you know, that's enough. Uh-huh. And like what I've seen uh-huh. anecdotally yeah. and also how it just like, uh, wastes time. So I'm like to the older kids, I'm like, you have to set goals of what you're going to accomplish this summer, write them down. And only once you've written them down, are we going to start loosening these up a little bit, a bit, because then we can say like, okay, you're working towards your goal. 
yeah, okay, now you can, if you've done something productive for the day, fine, like watch some TV. No, that's Uh, smart to like link it up with something for them to do as well. Cause I think sometimes kids just don't know what to do with themselves then either. So, and the young kids, guess what? They're like going outside, riding their bike, going to the neighbor's house. Now they might be doing electronics at the neighbor's house. Yeah. They can come to my house and and use their electronics. I have no rules. (laughs) (laughs) Go Go see Auntie Kim. (laughs) There's no rules. You can do anything. (laughs) Anyways, that was a good, that was a good, uh, side. I stand by Quirtle. Okay. That final, that final note. Okay. I'm going to check it out. So, Evan, we don't have a guest waiting in the wings today because you're a very special guest today. And um, I guess this kind of ties into what's new in our lives since we last met together because I understand you want to talk about subscription um, legal billing and that this is something that you've implemented at your own firm. So I'm excited to hear all about that. So where do you want to start? What do you have to tell us about this, this fun model? Well, first of all, um, you, our listeners may or may not know that we had the wonderful ladies from Smith and Little come on and they do a subscription model. They do a very particular subscription model. And I first talked to Christine Shepard. She used to be little. Now she's Shepard, but they kept the firm name the same. Uh, I don't know, a year and a half ago or something, quite a long time ago. And, uh, you know, when I found out that she's doing subscription, I was like, tell me more. Because I just feel like, obviously, everyone knows about subscription. So I think there's potential there. So I did. I, and they were very generous as you would have seen on our episode. They're fantastic. And, um, yeah, so that kind of got the ball rolling, but like, you know, many, many months later, Russ and I were like, Hey, subscriptions away. Let's figure it out. And we did figure it out. We figured it out. So you know, it might be helpful first to just quickly say like how it's different than Smith and Little. It's not exactly the same as the way that they do it. The way that they do it is um, they have a very explicit list of what's included in the subscription. We have a list as well, but the th- kind of things that uh, are included include a specific number of touches with the firm and things of that nature. We, um, we wanted to try and keep it more simple, at least simple from our perspectives, what they do might be totally simple for them, for us to emulate what they did would be complicated. So for us, we just do, um, a flat fee for the subscription each month. Um, and it's $1,500 a month plus GST and disbursements. And that covers almost everything. So we don't the state law and matrimonial or sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Thanks for that question, Kim. It's just for family law. $1,500 a month, family law subscription. Um, and you pay for two months upfront. We prorate the first month, but you pay like a, the $3,000. That's just simpler that way. And it also makes sure we have some, um, extra money there just in case disbursements come up. Disbursements for those that don't know are, expenses that a law firm pays on your behalf that aren't related that that aren't necessarily uh, like the legal services. It's like, you know, you have to file something at court or send something by a courier. Those are examples of disbursements. So it, it, there's some things it doesn't include, and those would be a flat fee above the subscription in that way. That's exactly what Smith and little does as well. And they have a very comprehensive price list for everything. Like they've priced out absolutely everything they do so that if you could tell them, here's exactly what's going to happen on my file. Um, they could tell you exactly what it will cost in the end. We, we haven't built out our price list like that quite, uh, quite like that, but the things that are 
uh, aren't included in the subscription in the subscription include things, you know, basically contested court stuff, more or less litigation steps. Um, procedural stuff is included. And what I mean by procedural stuff is like, well, to start a family law matter with court to start the litigation process, the first thing you have to do is go to family docket. No decisions are made at family docket. It's not a, a place you're going to get an answer to your problem. It's a procedural hearing only. And so the lawyer doesn't have to do really prep. They just go and figure out what's going to happen next. So that, that would be included. Um, yeah, we could talk more about what is or isn't included, but. Is this for the, are we talking more to lawyers right now or to people looking for this type of pricing? Because I think the average person doesn't really, if they haven't watched any previous episodes, they not, might not really understand what you mean by docket. Like, are they going somewhere to do this? Like the courthouse, is there, are there judges present? Like what is docket? And are they going to need to go to docket court? <laughs> Good question. I thought I was talking to the people that would need the legal services, but um, <laughs> point well taken, Kim. I, I think the best way to, to kind of explain that is to kind of talk about what our philosophy is in running a family file and, and how that dovetails to the subscription. So lawyers and potential clients have different concerns, but both have concerns about a potentially about a subscription. From the lawyer's perspective, what we always hear from lawyers is, well, what if the client demands all of your time and uses all of your time? And so they're getting way more value than $1,500. Um, and uh, the answer to that is, uh, well, it doesn't really matter because this isn't really for lawyers, but like the answer is, um, don't worry about it. That's, it's not a problem. As it turns out, that is not a problem. It doesn't happen. And part of the reason is, you know, we kind of explained to like clients get it. Clients aren't dumb. Like they understand it's, it, it doesn't take very much of a conversation to tell them like, we have a bunch of other files, your file, you know, we can't just drop everything and do, you know, just for your file, but clients have not, we haven't had a client yet that's expected that kind of a treatment anyways. So, uh, might be surprising, but the thing that lawyers are so worried about has turned out to be like barely a footnote. The client's worried about, well, what if nothing happens on my file? I don't want to pay a subscription for nothing. Very valid concern. And it's an, it's a problem or a potential problem that needs that we needed to answer. We needed to figure out, first of all, how do we make sure that something's happening every single month so that we are always in that zone of where they're getting value enough for the subscription. And second, what do we do if there's just nothing we can do for no fault of our owner or our clients, it's stalled out. That's theoretically possible. Um, Russ is dancing outside my window right now. <laughs> trying to distract me. And it worked. Anyways. So um, we thought a lot about this. And, and family law is it really, it's like a marathon, not a sprint for the most part. When you're at the very end, you can sprint. But when you're at the beginning or the middle, um, there's all kinds of friction from all different places. Like, the, like it's, it, it's hard to get things done really, really quickly. From a family file, you're dependent on other people. And so um, the, the idea is that basically when you're starting out, you're somewhere in the negotiation phase. Let's just, let's just start from there. Like, okay, let's say you're, you're just getting separated and you're like, okay, I need a lawyer. And so you come and you, you, you get us and you're on subscription. So the first, the first thing we need to do is get all your financial disclosure. And, um, we have a process for that. And the process takes a month maximum. And if you don't get it, if you don't get us the stuff that we asked for in a month, we might have to fire you as a client. And a month is reasonable. 
Because guess how much time the court gives you to provide all your financial disclosure? Heather, you know the answer. Well, a month, I guess. A month, yeah. 30 days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, we, we have that process and we do our best to automate that so that it's not taking up the lawyer's time. So the lawyer's time can be spent on the lawyering type stuff. Um, but that's something that's substantive that moves your file forward. Gathering all that stuff, that is the bane of lawyers' existence. Gathering the financial disclosure, making sure it's all good to go. Um, and then requesting the other person's financial disclosure. And then starting negotiations. You can't really negotiate until you have that financial disclosure. So you get all that information you need, and then you start negotiating. And generally, so what causes family files to stall out? We needed to we need to figure that out if we're going to keep it from stalling. Number one is getting financial disclosure from the other side. That can getting financial disclosure from your client. So we've solved the getting financial disclosure from your client part, making sure we get all of your financial disclosure. We get that done fast. How do we get financial disclosure from the other person? Well, first you serve them with a court notice that says you've got thirty days, and then if they don't do it, you go to that family docket court, which is a procedural court. So it's a, it's in a courtroom at the courthouse, Kim, there is a judge there. Um, the client doesn't have to go, but the lawyer uh, can attend virtually. That's another reason that we include it because we don't have to leave our office and walk down to the courthouse and all that crap. We can do it right from our, right from here. Um, so we go to that docket hearing and we say, Hey, we serve them with the, this, document and they didn't provide us financial disclosure and the court says well here's an order they have to do it in 30 days and if they don't they're in big big trouble and so that's another step that happens uh, that's moving things along and we're we're because we want to make sure we're delivering that value each month in the subscription we, we've built that all in so that it's automatic we're automatic whereas before it wasn't when i'm doing negotiation by the hour which is what i would do before I would be a little more patient with them and be like, well, it took us a long time or, you know, whatever. Now it's, that's not the case. It's we're doing it. It's 30 days. Um, and if you don't get it to us, we're getting the order. And then if you don't get it to us, the order is usually for another 30 days, but if they don't get it to you in that 30 days, now the court has the authority to make a decision about how much property there is and how much income the person has. And they try to estimate high, basically to, you know, to encourage that disclosure to come. So um, I don't want to just like keep rambling here. Has that been helpful to, to provide us some insight, Kim? Like I can keep going through the like whole life of a family file to give an idea of what we do. But generally the idea is we use the court as a hammer to move things along and we do it. We, we go to that quickly. And actually that's something that um, Smith and Little does as well. Um, they do a barrister solicitor model, which a barrister is someone that goes to court and litigates solicitor is somebody who doesn't do that. And so they kind of, and they do all their files together. We don't do that, but they do all their files together. And so they'll just be like, okay, well now you're going to, you're going to court and you're going to, you know, so they, they have that as like a matter of process. They told me, I think they said that on our episode that they, they start planning the litigation right away so that they can use that to move negotiations forward. They're all ready to go. And the subscription model is better for that because when you're doing, when I was doing flat fee for family, and even when you're doing hourly, when you're coming up to a step like that, you're like, okay, like we need more money in for the retainer to pay for this. It's going to be more expensive. And so there's always that kind of like hesitation and that slows things up too. Cause now the client's like, Oh, I got to come up with another X amount of dollars. Maybe let's just wait a second because I've got to figure out where that money is coming from. On the subscription, it's all in a matter of course. They know they're paying fifteen hundred bucks every single month, and that kind of frees us up to just automatically do a bunch of steps. Anything that's included in the subscription, we're not worried about. Like, is a client going to be able to afford us to take this step? We're like, we just do it. Yeah, I imagine it's quite emotional for people when lawyers have to go back and keep asking for money. It's uncomfortable for the lawyers. People don't want to receive that because they receive that as more bad news. And uh, maybe, you know, it, it 
sort of creates another struggle along the way. I, I can say that subscription billing it makes it easier for planning. So if we're modeling mm. out people's future um, starting now while they're divorcing and, and then into once they are divorced and all done, it's easier to see if they can afford things going forward than to just say, oh, I might pay $5,000 this month or paid 15,000 last month or whatever it is. It's like, oh God, how do we plan around this? Uh, so I think there are some like, like behavior, like behavioral heuristics that matter when it comes to subscription planning. Yeah. I mean, subscription stretches it out. That's what it does, right? It like, it's not necessarily going to make it cheaper. It might, um, but that's not really, if that was the only goal, we would just charge less money. Like that's not, that's not really the goal. The goal is to try and make it something you can plan around and something that's sustainable. And so because it stretches it out, <clears throat> the way we're thinking about the file is to have it like, like a train, get that momentum going and it just keep it going and then finish as opposed to like sprint, stop, wait till they got more money sprint, stop. And that's kind of what it's like. It's that's what it's like for sure in set fee. And I love set fee. Don't get me wrong. And we still use set fee, but one of the negatives to set fee billing is, um, even though it provides a little bit more cost certainty than by the hour, because at least the way we do it before we do a task, you know, how much it's going to cost, but you don't, it's impossible for anyone to tell you exactly how much the whole thing is going to cost. And so then it'll be like, okay, well, we're going, to, we're, we're doing this thing next and it's $3,000. And then I get that done in a week or two weeks. And we need to do something else now. It's another $2,000, right? And so now it's like that, that can add up. So on set fee, speed, set fee encourages speed, high speed from the lawyer. Lawyer wants to get it done as quick as possible and keep at that level of quality. And so um, that can really hurt financially because now it's like, okay, well, five grand in one month. Like I need a break. <laughs> I can't do this every single month. Mm -hmm. And so subscription, the idea is that, um, you know, it just gets spread out over time. Does it create waves when one person might be on subscription and the other person's paying their, their lawyer monthly? Mm -hmm. Cause like oftentimes I find that there's one. You mean, you mean hourly? Sorry, hourly. Yeah. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Not really. That's what I meant. So you have one spouse who maybe is making the majority of the money and he's paying for the lawyer fees on both sides and he's paying his, like his hourly. And then he's paying the subscription. He's like, what's going on? Like, why is her way more than mine this month? Like, did, would that not create ripples somehow? I mean, yeah. that people look at that for sure. What each lawyer is charging. Mm. That could, but like Kim, Usually it doesn't happen where one person's paying everything. Usually that doesn't happen. That might happen sometime maybe in collaborative or something like that, but it, it does not normally happen when, when they're, that's not the case. And, but to go along with that, another concern that you didn't quite articulate, but that's kind of associated with that is like, well, what if he's paying by the hour, he's got zero incentive to move this thing along or she, and it's in their benefit to drag it out as long as possible. And they know you're paying every single month, 1500 bucks. Sweet. I need to stick it to them and just drag my feet. Yeah. So part of the answer is like, okay, good luck dragging your feet when you have to go to court, when you're, when your lawyer has to go to court. And so, um, we force it into court, right? That docket step happens. And then at docket, you're going to get, um, an order for the next steps of what's going to happen. And so that prevents that kind of, they can't do that. It's more cost effective for them to have to negotiate and move things along. If they drag in their feet, it'll be more expensive for them. So, but that is a, but that's a valid concern. And at the end of the day, no matter what way your lawyer bills for family law, the longer it takes, the more complicated it is, the more acrimonious it is, the more expensive it will be no matter what. Yeah. No matter what the model, like the longer it takes and everything that I think is the number one driver of how much it's going to, you're going to pay in legal fees for a divorce. But we, but with uh, the thing I like about subscription is that it kind of, it kind of defeats all that kind of behavior. 
it, as much as is reasonably possible because it's as much as we can, we're forcing things to move forward every single month. Um, so I'll give you another example of how we would do that. So once you get past all like that initial stage of gathering information, then it's time to make an offer, right? You, you look at everything and you're like, okay, well, I think this is reasonable. Here, we'll propose this to the other side and we send that offer off. What sometimes happens in that case is um, you make it, maybe you make a deadline for response give them like two or three weeks. That's a pretty reasonable time. And then they don't respond. Okay. Well, what did you do? What is your, what does your deadline even mean? What can you do with that, with that deadline? Honestly, not a ton. You can't do a ton with that deadline besides say, Hey, you didn't respond by the deadline, <laughs> right? Like that offers off the table. Okay. Is it really off the table though? What if I came back like tomorrow and I'm like, okay, well, let's do this. I'm probably going to tell my client, just accept it. Let's move forward. So what we do to prevent that kind of like to put teeth in that offer is to, you know, here's the deadline for response. If we don't hear from you by that response, then we need your docket dates by that date of your availability for the next two weeks. And if we don't receive your docket availability for that time period, we will schedule docket without further input from you. So in other words, we're saying, here's the offer. Here's the deadline for response. Um, if you don't respond, we're going to dock it. And by the way, this is your notice. We're going to dock it so that we don't have to then spool it up. It's like we're, we're being proactive about making sure that you know, if you're not going to respond to our offer, then we're going to go to court and we're going to get into um, probably something like an EICC, which is an early intervention case conference, if it's at the King's bench level, which is just one of the levels of court and an EICC and all of these other kinds of things that have different names, like a JDR is really like a mediation with a judge being the one who's the mediator. The only difference being that the judge can make a binding order. If you guys come to an agreement in that mediation, whatever it's called. So we'll force it into that stream right away. And it's early days. We haven't really had any opportunity to uh, carry this out, but we have enough experience dealing with negotiation where, where we're reasonably certain that that kind of approach is going to be effective at moving things forward rather than not. Cause even if you get, once you get it, set it down for an EICC, for example, if that's what happens at the docket here then you have to negotiate still like you have to provide for an EICC specifically part of that process is you have to make a formal offer that can be accepted by the other side. Both people have to do that. And that's to encourage people to come to an agreement. So it forces some kind of movement. And if there's no movement and the EICC is a total waste of time um, and nothing comes of it, then, you know, you know, you're going to have to go into the litigation stream but you know that sooner rather than drawing it out for a long time and then finding that out. And litigation stream, what I mean by that specifically is if you can't agree on something on any issue, then you need somebody else to decide it for you. And litigation is how we get the court to make that decision. And so depending on what decision needs to be made, there's different court processes that you might need and they're all costly in time, emotional, um, expenses and um, financial expenses. They all are not the best, but sometimes it's the only thing you can do. So I guess maybe to summarize, Evan, I think some of the stuff that you described is like kind of how you're saying that this model also fits in with the approach towards resolving a file. Cause some of those things are process steps and they're available <laughs> I guess, inside yeah. or outside a subscription model. But I think what I'm hearing you say is that there's um, benefit to the client and that they have predictable monthly amount that they're going to pay each month, but there's also a motivation there for the lawyer to be doing things every month and that not letting any one file fall to the bottom of the to-do list and to be moving things along in a timely way. Taking those steps and ensuring progress is being made because of the subscription model. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm assuming if something isn't happening, I think you alluded to this, but if something's not happening on your file, um, there's pause or a, or a mechanism, I guess, for addressing that. You wouldn't be paying the subscription indefinitely if, if something were to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess you pointed out that what I'm trying to express in a very long-winded way is that the subscription billing model has changed fundamentally our approach to how we manage family law files. And it's not like a huge change, but it's a tweak that we think is in our client's favor. We think that it's a better system and the it's enabled by the billing model um, because of just the nature of, of how that works out. And to do the same thing in like by the hour or in set fee kind of a model, it, um, it would probably driving the prices up on the front end higher than would be pleasant for the client to deal with. It'd probably be pretty expensive right in the front. Um, and subscription just allows us to, to do that and not worry too much about it because it's kind of like insurance, right? So the files that aren't as busy that month, don't take as much of the time. And even while we're del delivering value to them, they can kind of, those files will pay for the ones that are busier. And so when your file is busy and would be incurring higher fees in another model, it's kind of, they all, they all even each other up. Okay. And your other question was, okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, great. You make it move forward every single month. Perfect. But what if you don't? Mm -hmm. So the answer to that is the first month, there's no change. So if nothing happens on your file, which we define as like, um, I think we define it as one hour of time has not been spent on the file. It's like dead in the water. The first month that happens, it's billed the same as the other months. And the reason for that is when you fart, when you, when you fart, when you start, a file. <laughs> we try not to be flatulent in relation to the files in any way. But um, when you start a file, like I just described, there's all this front end activity that's happening and there's a lot of stuff getting done and it's quite taxing on us and our staff. And so the first time nothing happens on the file, that's kind of paying for all of that stuff that's already happened. Right. Like that's, and I think people expect that it's like that we understand that's the nature of the subscription. That's what allows you to draw it out longer. The second month that that happens though, um, we immediately reduce it. We, we go into hibernation mode. And in this mode, we're still like following up with the others trying to make things happen. Like it, it's hard to anticipate exactly what that will look like because we don't think it'll ever happen, but um, it'll be 300 dollars a month for that which is basically enough time to, for the lawyer to like we've looked at it we've tried we're still trying to move things forward we're still doing things but there's some other person or thing that's holding everything up and so we can't do very much and so we're not going to bill you the full amount for it if that happens again then you go into dormant mode so um and in that mode there's no fees paid and it will just stay dormant until we need to we're able to start it up again The bottom line is if nothing's happening on your file, you shouldn't have to pay. Like, hmm. obviously like that, that's not a thing. And even if like, even if we were like, no, no, you've got to pay every single month. You just say like, okay, stop. I'm stopping my subscription. Nothing's happening. Hmm. Right. And so we just kind of, we acknowledge that sometimes that can be the case. And in the future, like once you go through that process, um, you don't have to do it again. So if it like reactivates, it's not like you have to go then into like, um, uh, inactive mode and then dormant mode. You don't have to go through that process. You just go right to dormant mode because I think we've, we've had like, it certainly we've had files where something will happen and there'll be something. And then there's like nothing for three months. Right. And so, um, as much as we can anticipate this kind of thing, we're thinking in that kind of rare situation, it probably would be like, you don't have to like step out of it. You know what I mean? It's just like, okay, it's nothing's happening again. We're back and you don't pay fees. 
Um, yeah. But I mean, like for the most case, yeah. we do everything we can in our power to prevent that from happening. And when I think about those files that have happened, that's happened to you, Heather, I don't know if it would be similar for you. We've had like these files where just you're waiting forever. Sometimes it's been the case where, um, you know, it's been an offer. Like sometimes we negotiate in family law. I don't want to get too technical, but sometimes the negotiations are a little loosey goosey. Like we're just trying to find out if we agree. We're not worried about creating a contract. Mm-hmm. So I've actually changed that because I had two files recently where um, it was ambiguous as, uh, as to whether a contract was created and what we can do about that and how we can enforce and how we can like force something to happen. And so I don't, I don't do that anymore. So now whenever I'm sending an offer, I am sending it in such a way that if they accept it, a, a binding contract has been formed, which means that they can't then try and change anything. It's over. Like that's, if they say we agree, then that's it. It's a contract. Now there's like technical things for property that need to be in a, and it has to be in a written agreement, but that doesn't negate the fact that there's a, like that doesn't somehow raise the bar of what makes a legal, legally binding contract. So, um, that's one thing. So making sure that the way that an offer is drafted and what I mean by that specifically is this normally when we, when I've been negotiating family files in the past, we will hammer out all the issues, but we won't talk about when will the agreement be signed? Like how many days from the date it's accepted, will the agreement be prepared and signed? And how many days from the date of acceptance will any payments, equalization payments or whatever other payments need to be made. And so um, it doesn't take that much. Like you just throw that in there, like without that in there, I don't think you can have a binding contract because you have to have certainty on all the terms. Everyone has, both parties have to know exactly what's going to happen. Does that change the tone between the lawyers or the file? Like, does it, it's, it come across as more aggressive? I don't think it has to, Kim. It, it's more just, there's just more in there. I, I think it probably will signal to the, it should signal to the lawyer that like, Oh, there's okay. If we say accept, like this is it because I've certainly had ones. I had one where, um, I had a file where we sent the agreement or we sent our offer over and we heard nothing from them. We followed up and followed up. And then my client's like, you know what? No, let's just wait. And we'll deal with this in another way next year. And then like nine months later, they're like, we accept. I'm like, what? Okay. Like, like, okay, well actually it's $5,000 cheaper now. And they're like, no, it was a binding agreement. And I'm like, there was nothing about time. And so I, I said, my client and I talked about it and we, our approach in that example was to be like, okay, I disagree that there's a contract, but regardless, if he thinks there is a binding contract, great, let's go. And so we updated the actual formal document and sent it over and said, sign it in 30 days or it's off. And so they did. And and that's amazing for this file because it has been a dog for my poor client. But um, that was one example, Kim, where I was like, where I started thinking about it. Then I had another one where it's a similar issue where like we agreed on the terms, but it wasn't tight enough for me to say like, and now, and now they're just like falling off the face of the earth and aren't responding. And so, and I, we kind of know the other side is like waffling and wants to change things. And, um, you know, if we had provided that, like, and the deadlines for dates, I don't think that it makes it more aggressive. I think it just makes it a little more serious, which is what you want. You don't want those efforts that you put into negotiation to then be like, um, result in a, okay, yep. The lawyers have both said, we agreed. Next step is doing up the agreement. And then, cause that's not, it's not tight enough. If that makes sense. I had to pull up my old contracts textbook a couple of times last month. Be like, what? What makes a binding contract? <laughs> yeah, that's uh that's a difficult one that comes up sometimes in family law matters for sure. 
Yeah. So the bottom line is it's just helped us refine our systems of like, how do we do things and how do we, and making sure we're doing a certain thing, the same, or like doing things every single time. And it's in, in my experience, it's been common in family law that, you know, we're, we're trying to negotiate. We're trying to, we're not worried so much about the technical requirements of contract law when we're negotiating. And um, we're worried about getting a deal done. So that's just one example of how, you know, we want to make sure that because the result is if there's a binding contract and there's like the dates are agreed to Kim, then it's, then if they miss the date, then they're in breach of contract. And that's very easy to deal with. That's a, that's a civil claim. And it's like really clear, like you have the terms of the contract and the result of a civil, like the remedy for a breach of contract is called specific performance. In other words, the person that's breaching the contract has to do what they agreed to do. And so, um, you know, if there's like, if the agreement was for like $200,000 be paid by this date and they're in breach of contract, well, you go to court and you get a judgment for $200,000 and you just enforce it like any other debt. So you get yeah. home or whatever, or whatever. I mean, I don't want to poo-poo on that too much, Evan, but if you've got that situation going on and you've got a party who's got a lawyer and is saying there isn't an agreement, it's probably, you're probably going to face a little bit of opposition there as well. Right. But I don't think that's too much with the subscription model. I'm assuming that wouldn't be an included service at any rate. Um, it's not, but you know, I had that like, in that example, I don't know that a lawyer on the other side would be saying there's no agreement. I, like yeah. the disagreement arises about whether there's an, a binding agreement when there's not that certainty in terms. Yeah. 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 Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the biggest frustrations in the process that things aren't happening. Like, is it, is it the tempo or the timeline? Is that what you guys would say people struggle with the most or... Um, maybe I'm out to lunch, but I just hear it all the time. Like people go into divorce, not knowing what's going to happen and what the playbook is. Then they start to learn and, and figure things out. And then the, you know, then they start to see clearly where they want to go with this settlement. And I'm, I'm curious if the, the tempo starts to become really relevant to people when you're kind of part of the way through and they just want it to be over with, would one of the, would the subscription model sort of tilt somebody because it does feel like things are going to be happening because the lawyer really needs things to happen um, because they're, they're getting paid. What do you think, Heather? <laughs> it's I think the answer for me is so situation specific and depends on what the goals are, where people are at emotionally, where they're at financially. Um, I, I think I think maybe the common thing is that folks, especially when they're first separating and if there's a lot of emotion going on, you could have the best presentation, you can have the best consult, you can tell them everything at the outset. And it just is so much learning, right? It's kind of like if you go, if you went to a doctor and had to learn about, and it's like, I'm just going to give you a quick brief in an hour of how your body works <laughs> like, and all the parts that are involved. Um, the, like it, it would just be hard, right? There's, ta there's taxes, there's estate planning issues. There's all this stuff to do with the kids. And then there's emotional issues layered on that. So sometimes, and then you have financial stresses. So if you're not getting any support or you don't have an income, then you want to move forward but maybe you're blocked in like emotionally. So some people, I just think it really depends on the people. I think most folks find a point where they do just want it to be over and they want to move it along. Um, but sometimes things are, sometimes it's too much for folks too. So I was going to ask you that actually, Evan, is like, can, can folks put a pause on it if, they either, they want to slow things down and they're just like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't want you, you know, taking my ex to court right now because of whatever, or, or 
um, I've hit a cash flow issue and I can't do subscription next month. So I don't want you doing something because I can't afford it no matter which lawyer I'm paying. Oh yeah, absolutely. Clients can hit pause and, and stop at any time after the first two months. So the first two months is they like they commit to the first two months. And that's the same reason that I said before of like, if it's like, super, it, there's always a ton of stuff to do at the beginning. Yeah. And I think to answer the question, um, everyone's different for sure. And certainly there's situations where emotionally somebody's having a hard time with just the whole concept. Right. And that can manifest itself in all kinds of different ways, like from positions they take on certain issues to like being just difficult or non-responsive right? Those, those can all be emotional issues rather than anything else. But think about it this way, Heather, maybe I'd like to see how you'd answer it. It's phrased this way. If I answer the question, like, okay, what are like the biggest complaints clients have about the process? I would say the ones that I hear the most often are like, they take forever to respond. The other side takes forever to respond. That's certainly one of them. Even if my client also takes forever to respond. <laughs> and then I have to remind them like, okay, like I understand what you're saying. It is frustrating. They take a long time, but we took two months to respond. And by we, I mean you, because I sent it to you right away and you didn't provide me an answer. And I followed up with you a few times it took us two months to get them an answer. So like, it's pretty tough for us to then say, answer me in two weeks or we're going to court. So, I mean, even where they are also taking a long time, I might have to have that conversation with them, but how long it takes to their side is one of them. Um, not, yeah. That and I, I don't know, like, you know, just they hate the other side or they, you know, maybe not, maybe hates the wrong word, but like the other side's a narcissist and, you know, they're difficult, difficult to deal with. But I think if you're talking about the legal process, I think time is, is the number one complaint that I hear are the number one frustration that I get from my clients. Heather, do you get that too? Um, I... Yeah, I think time, it takes a while sometimes. And I think part of that is, is that like knowledge and expectation thing too, right? Is like not having an understanding at the outset of like, these are the steps that every file is going to kind of have to follow, right? If you've got these elements in it, like the financial disclosure, and then we've got to figure that out. And in some way or another, whatever route that is, we take. And then there's going to be this uh, agreement portion, and we're going to have to nail nail down the terms of that and get it signed. And then we're going to have to do the divorce stuff. And um, so I, I think it is time, but some of it just takes time too right it just does so it's it's kind of expectations of you know setting that expectation mm -hmm. at the beginning mm -hmm. um i don't think there's we can speed things up <laughs> so much <laughs> but um yeah i don't know i think it's that's a tough one well if somebody watched all of the podcasts that we filmed mm -hmm. before coming to a family law lawyer do you feel that they would be significantly more prepared and and have a, a better idea and skill set to work through this process? I feel like I'm nodding so hard, yes, that you can hear my head. <laughs> it's, saying, an obvious, yes. it's an obvious question, but I would important. I would really like to think so, Kim. Because if not, what are we doing? <laughs> like, the, I, we've hit on so many topics and so many conversations and like if education is a big component of being able to move things forward and we're providing some of the best family law lawyers in Edmonton on this podcast to present their ideas and, and, uh, educate people. It's surely got to move the dial. Like if a couple is getting divorced and each person watches, uh, watches these key videos, it's gotta help <laughs> save yeah. money, significant yeah. amounts. 
And I think yeah. thinking back over our, our, you know, our episodes or all the different things is like, there really is a buffet of, of options out there. And there's lawyer options, there's process options, there's billing model options. Um, and I think it's difficult to make a decision if you don't know what's out there. So listening to this and thinking, well, maybe this does really fit with my budget or it fits with my, um, you know, like Evan, you said that the reason this works is it fits with your philosophy of resolving files. Um, then, you know, get, make that decision, get out there and find that person that, that, that works with you, um, and how you want to go forward. Um, I like, I think this is a, a really great option and something that hasn't really been done before. Is, am I right? Evan, did you say you're the second people in Alberta to be offering this kind of uh, model to clients, yeah. right? As far as I'm aware that Smith and Little are the only other ones and we do it a little bit differently from them, but the, I, the concept is still the same. And I mean, I guess one question would be that people might have is like, oh, like, you know, I'm obviously I'm convinced it's the best way to do family law, but does that mean every type of family law file would be best in the subscription? And I would say, no, that's not the case. I think high conflict files would be better off with somebody who loves and a big part of their practice is going to court and, and doing trials. Um, so like a family law litigator, um, if it's high conflict, you are like, you can't avoid it. You're going to be in court. And by how that's kind of what I mean by high conflict is like, you guys can't agree on anything. Um, and you've got all these issues to deal with. And when you can't agree on anything and all it takes is one person to be unreasonable, then you have to go to court or arbitration, right. but court. Cause you keep getting flung out of this like monthly coverage then, right. If you're having to do affidavits and make court submissions well, and we don't even, like, stuff and all of those things are just going to, it's not going to make as much sense in this model. Yeah. The cost certainty goes out, the, it goes out the window. The cost mm-hmm. certainty is all screwed up. So we will include in the notes here, the webpage it's Edmonton. It's canelawcom slash Edmonton dash law dash firm slash Kahane dash law dash Edmonton dash family dash law dash inscription dash plan. Okay. We'll include the link. Everybody but, got that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll include the link, but, um, if you look at that, it, we, we detail, we list out what is what services are included and what is not included in the plan. And there's a bunch of other information on there about the subscription that you can read about. Anything that's not included in the plan is going to be over and above that subscription. So it's, yeah, and not only that, but we, we include in here, for example, like trials are not included. But, and we may consider doing a provincial court or Alberta Court of Justice, as it's called now, trial. But we don't do, we do that on a, on a case by case basis. And we don't, neither Russ or myself, the only lawyers here in Edmonton, neither of us do King's bench trials. So like, if that's what you need, like, this is not a good fit for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not a good fit for Heather either. So that'd be like a property decision, right? Is is largely what kicks you into, into. Yeah. Or or spousal support. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So, um. I mean, spell support can be dealt with, I think, at uh, Alberta Court of Justice. But I mean, if you need a final decision on either of those things, you have to go to a trial of some kind. Yeah. 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 So it's just kind of, a, I guess, finding your fit, right? And it is really exciting that this is one more thing to add to that, you know, that palette to choose from, that range of options. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean... We like it. We think it's a good model. It's working so far for us. We just started it really in May. Um, and so it's early days for us, but as you can hear, we've given it a lot of thought, and we have, you know, tweaked our internal systems and, and how we operate and how we practice law for family law to fit this model, to maximize the advantages of this model. So we're, we're excited about it. We think it'll be good for a lot of people. Certainly it hasn't been a hard sell for anyone that's already had a lawyer. Anyone that's already had a lawyer and we tell them about subscription, they're like, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. So that's amazing. Where do I sign up? 
Lots of people really need certainty in their lives, whether it's fixed mortgages or or whatever, like just knowing can be very helpful. So um, it'll be exciting to see your subscription practice grow, Evan, and you can jump back on uh, maybe a year from now and tell us uh, what you've noticed uh, with regards to conversations and, and how things have progressed with people, because you'll have more stats uh, to report on. Yeah, it would be good to, you know, once we've been doing it for quite a while and see if it's working out the way we thought it would and what we've had to change or not. Um, but yeah, so far, so far it's been good and, and we're, we're pretty excited and happy about it. It's, a, it's another option out there. And, you know, one of the biggest issues, like people would ask us all the time before, like, can we do a payment plan? And this is kind of a payment plan without it being a payment plan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Any other questions that you have as a non-lawyer, Kim? No, I I think where people struggle is not knowing how much something's going to cost and and having to say yes, right? Like that's typically how it goes with divorce and separation. You're you're in it whether you want to be there or not, mm-hmm. um, and you've got to pick a path, right? So the the path is uncertain and it's going to be bumpy probably, and I think people just really are are looking to not make a mistake. And I think, you know, the more options people had to Heather's point, the more options people have and that they look at and investigate, the more likely they're going to settle on the right process for them. So I think, I think, you know, it's, it's a big help for people, lawyers paving the way and trying new things and uh, trying to come up with solutions for people that matter to them. So uh, it's exciting, super exciting for Edmonton. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm proud of you, Evan. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Kim. <laughs> Congratulations on your new baby model. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, thank you so much. We, you know, we a lot of blood, sweat, and tears went into the thought process and, like, just trying to figure it out and talking to lawyers and, and you know, running it by people, um, you know, like our, our legal services agreement that sets everything out, like, that went through the eyes of mentors that I trust and they picked it apart. They pointed some things out that should be changed. And, you know, so we we're, we've done everything we can and now we're doing it. And I'm sure that we'll run into bumps along the way, but so far it's been, it's been really good. And and there is no perfect system. I mean, that's just it, right. Is that I think that's, that's something to keep in mind too. If you're a client, um, a client considering, um, different things too, is there, you know, there's always going to be something that's a little bit of a challenge or unexpected, but this looks like it nails down some of those parameters that might be really attractive. So, yeah, I don't want to say there's nothing wrong with the billable model. Cause I think the billable hour, cause I think there is lots of things wrong with it, mm-hmm. but, um, that doesn't mean you can't have a great lawyer using that model and have good results at a reasonable price. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I already know that's what you're going to get with Merrick Law, for example. <laughs> no, but that's true. I, in all seriousness, that is that's absolutely true. I know that Heather delivers great value, and so um, because you're going to have people that can operate well, even if the model is not the perfect model or the best model. Um, so you know, don't disparage that your lawyer, if you have a lawyer already is using the billable hour or something like that, but because it, you know, many people have been doing it for many years, but yeah. Um, yeah. There's different, there's different options out there. Mm-hmm. Well, and maybe this is a good inspiration too for folks who might be listening. If they already have a lawyer, maybe it's something that they bring back to their lawyer and say, is there a way we can make things a little more predictable or a little more manageable, right? I mean, your lawyer might not be willing to revamp their entire um, retainer agreement, (laughs) service agreement with you, but maybe they'd be okay with setting up a payment plan or, 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 or changing things a little bit, if that's something that's important to you. So, um, you know, innovation happens at the lawyer level, but I think it should always be client driven. So if you're a client, ask your lawyer, let them know what you need from them. And (laughs) maybe you can make a little bit of change. 
write your MLA. Yeah, or your MP or somebody. No, I'm kidding. They won't. I don't think they won't they, help you. <laughs> they have power over those things. But <laughs> well, I think that's kind of everything that I wanted to ask you about, Evan. But thank you so much for that. Um, for that, I think it's really an interesting. It's really interesting. It's really cool. And yeah, congratulations. Thanks. Was it helpful or was it just a lot of me rambling, talking about things for a really long time? That's what it kind of felt like. <laughs> uh, no, it was really helpful. I thought it was really helpful. Yeah, be a straight shooter. Yeah, I'm a straight shooter. I think people need time to process things. So if you say something super succinctly and really fast, their brains don't have enough time to wrap wrap around what it is that they're trying to figure out. I think talking for a long period of time brings up this a couple of things uh, multiple times that gives people some uh you know something to chew on so i think even if it is a bit longer this episode than maybe we talked about at the beginning we thought maybe we'd pin this off in 30 minutes i yeah. think people need time to understand what it is that you're bringing up and why it is so different and why it's important to learn about so i think that was good evan <laughs> that okay was really good. okay good thanks kim i'm glad i'm glad to hear that um i also think like we were talking about you know, if someone's listened to a lot of our episodes, I think, you know, they hear us talk about a lot of the same things over and over again. And, and, you know, we evolve too, as time goes on, I've certainly changed my approach and my thoughts about things that they've evolved over the last couple of years that we've been doing this. And, you know, but there's a lot of like common themes that come through all of our, you know, many of our episodes. So I like to think that, you know, or I hope that kind of the, that's adding some value, right? That they get an idea of what's reasonable to expect from a lawyer and other professionals. That's mm -hmm. kind of the, that's the hope we have, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the hope. Go back through the back catalog, listen to some other episodes. Yeah, do it. <laughs> do it. <laughs> and send us an email. If you got any questions you want us to address. Yeah, topics that we haven't covered yet that you do want to hear about, absolutely. And don't forget to smash that like button and subscribe. I'm just kidding. I, my kids are listening to watching way too much YouTube lately. I know. Why do you have to use the, the adjective smash? I don't know. Like it. Or the verb, sorry, the verb smash. Why do I have to use the verb smash? Why can't it just be like click? I like smash. I was happy you said that. All right. Take it back. Smash it. Smash it. Okay. Well, thanks for indulging me today. Appreciate it. I hope, uh, I hope our viewers got some out of it and uh, we'll see you next time. Absolutely. Till next time. Any information in this video is general information only and is not, nor is it intended to be, legal advice. Watching this video does not create a lawyer-client relationship. You should always seek the advice of a lawyer or other qualified professional for advice regarding your individual situation. While we take care to ensure that the information contained in this video is accurate and up-to-date, we make no warranties or representations as to the suitability, completeness, or accuracy of the information contained in this video. Any reliance you place on the information is at your own risk. Kahane Law Office, Merrick Law, Heather Mallory Professional Corporation, Evan Clark Professional Corporation, Evan Clark, Heather Mallory, and any guests will not be responsible nor liable in any way for any content, including but not limited to any errors or omissions in the content, or for any loss or damage of any kind incurred as a result of any content communicated in this video, whether by Evan Clark, Heather Mallory, or by a third party. Kim McDonald is a financial advisor with Raymond James Limited. Information provided is not a solicitation, and although obtained from sources considered reliable, is not guaranteed. The view and opinions contained in this media are those of Kim McDonald, not Raymond James Limited. Securities-related products and services are offered through Raymond James Limited, member Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Insurance products and services are offered through Raymond James Financial Planning Limited, which is not a member Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Raymond James advisors are not tax advisors, and we recommend that clients seek independent advice from a professional advisor on tax-related matters. Insurance products and services are offered through Raymond James Financial Planning Limited, RJFE, a subsidiary of Raymond James Limited, which is not a member Canadian Investor Protection Fund. When providing life insurance products, financial advisors are acting as insurance representatives of RJFP. Darkness of the dales dissipates, declines because of he who turned water.